Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, this morning, I'd like to ask a question. First of all, what you think is the most common vocation mentioned in the Bible? And I would contend, uh, you know, amongst the, <laughs> the priests, the kings, the prophets, and so forth, that shepherds are named most in the Bible throughout both the Old and New Testament. So, uh, the patriarchs, many of the patriarchs were shepherds, uh, starting with Abel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It wasn't a particularly prestigious uh, vocation. Most of these guys spent time out, you know, in the wide open spaces with their sheep. And... Um, Sheep were very vital, even though the, the vocation wasn't prestigious, it was necessary, kind of like plumbers and electricians and truck drivers and so forth today. Um, we'd be lost without them. In those days, the most common fabric was wool, whether it was spun finely for light clothes or more coarsely for heavy winter clothes to keep you warm. And wool is one of the few fabrics that you can get wet and still stay warm in. So it was vital. Of course, uh, the sheep were used for meat as well. And perhaps most importantly, uh, they were, the lambs were used in the temple. If you can imagine the temple, twice a day, lambs were sacrificed. Special um, uh, feasts and so forth, lambs were sacrificed. I can't imagine what that temple must have looked like. Uh, it had to have been awful. But those shepherds and so forth are vital for, uh, for Israel. And one of the shepherds we're most uh, familiar with was the most beloved king of Israel, David. You know, he started as a shepherd, of course, became king, and he wrote the 23rd Psalm. But from a point of view, not as a shepherd or a king, but from the sheep's point of view. So I'd like to look at that this morning, if we could. I, um, if I had to do this over again, I'd probably take it from King James Version, because everybody's more familiar with it. But let's, uh, let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. In other words, he supplies everything we need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. Now, why is that important, particularly? If you've been around sheep for any length of time, they don't like fast-moving water. Can you imagine being burdened down with that big woolly coat with feet about this big and trying to swim? They don't like it. <laughs> they don't swim well. <laughs> but they do like peaceful water. They do like still water. So he guides me along right paths and bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, or the valley of death, as King James says, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Did you notice that the psalm says the shepherd leads 
we think of modern shepherds with their dogs and so forth. Dogs were not used by those shepherds in those days. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find anywhere in Scripture that has a kind thing to say about dogs. We have uh, tamed them. We've, we've trained them. Very helpful and loving companions, of course. But not in those days. They were not looked on with favor at all. But the Lord would lead his people. They'd follow him. We'll be looking at this a little bit later on where the sheep know his voice. They recognize him. When I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I used to think that was the same, that was the same thing. It's not. The staff is a multi-purpose tool, really. You know, we know what it looks like. It's a long, can be used as a walking stick. It's got a hook on the end. That hook is there to pull a sheep out of a problem. Uh, it's also used to guide the sheep. You know, if you want the sheep to follow you, but they want to take a turn around you, you can stick that, <laughs> that staff out and kind of, you know, kind of head them off at the pass, as it were. The rod is an entirely different thing. That's a weapon that the shepherd employed to protect the sheep. You know, David said he had killed lions when he was talking to Saul and as a shepherd. No doubt he put that sling to good use, but he probably finished that lion off with a rod. It's a club, really. And that's what comforts the sheep, knowing that the shepherd is willing to do violence on their behalf to protect them. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies, and you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. We're not being pursued by predators, as sheep so often are prone to, but we're being pursued by goodness and mercy, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So, first we're going to look at shepherds. And you might ask, what are my bona fides? <laughs> As it happens, believe it or not, I have been a shepherd and an observer of sheep. Now, let me briefly tell you how that came to be. When our kids were small, we decided we wanted to raise them in a rural country situation. So we rented a house in a little town in the northern Sacramento Valley called Gridley. Small town. But all the kids that, that my children went to school with, many of them, not all of them, many of them were involved in 4-H. We got any 4-H kids here? Yay! And head, heart, hands, and helps. <laughs> Anyway, it's a, great, it's a great thing for kids to be involved in. And our kids decided they wanted to be in it as well. So uh, 4-H offers lots of programs. Uh, typically, the kids go to the fair every year. We wanted to do something involving animals. We were renting a house in a farmhouse in the middle of a walnut orchard, which is what is the primary um, crop up in that part of the country, or tree, tree crops. If you've ever eaten blue diamond almonds, that's where they come from. So walnuts, almonds, peaches, 
lot of rice is growing up there too. Some livestock, not a lot, but some. But anyway, they wanted to get involved in a livestock project. Uh, we didn't have the room or the, the money, frankly, to raise cattle. Pigs were out of the question. Have you ever heard a pig squeal? No. Rabbits, chickens, and so forth. We settled on sheep. Now, the kids would buy or raise a lamb. They'd have them weighed in in the springtime. And then you'd take them to the fair. Well, there was a price given for the most weight gain. Then you'd fit your lamb out for the show ring, and a judge would judge them on the conformity, their market value, and so forth. And the kids were also judged on their showmanship. So we raised sheep. First couple of years, we bought a lamb and raised it and took it to the fair. At the end of the fair, a lot of um, local merchants and so forth would uh, bid on them at an auction at the close of the fair. And they were offered, they got more, way more than market value. So the kids could take that, excuse me, take that money and put it back in their project and grow their project. Maybe buy a better lamb, maybe buy some ewes and raise their own lambs. And that's, that's kind of the tack we took. About two years after being in the project, we moved to an even smaller town, about 10 miles north, called Biggs. And it was anything, anything but. <laughs> but by that time, the sheep leader of that group, uh, her son graduated the elementary school and went on to high school. And as so often happens, he, he went on to FFA. And, and she dropped out as a sheep leader. So they needed a sheep leader. <laughs> Two years in, I became a sheep leader. So I had to, had to study up. You know, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. Well, one nice thing about being in a rural community, there's lots of people that will help. And I met such a man, his name was Dick G. And I said, Dick, I've got my first meeting coming up. Would you mind helping me out? just observing, give me any pointers you can. He says, sure. Well, we lived on an acre ground there. We had, a, we really had a, a, a neat facility for keeping sheep. It was well fenced in. We had a double car garage with an attachment to it. So they became our sheep barn. So by that time we had accumulated some ewes since we had this extra property. So we had like 10, 15 ewes. Now, when you want your ewes bred, you can either take them to um, the ram, or you can have the ram brought in, or you can buy your own ram, which is what we did. So we bought Duke. So Duke, pardon me, we raised Suffolk sheep. And if you've seen the movie Babe, those are Suffolk sheep. They're, they're white-bodied, black-faced, black legs. And um, so was Duke. He was uh, a big boy. Duke weighed about 300 pounds, stood about this tall. In fact, my youngest son could ride him, and Duke didn't care. That's fine. It's cool. So I went to the pen one day, <laughs> and a remarkable thing happened. Duke started feeling spunky. And I, I turned around just in time to see Duke behind me, taking about 10 steps back. He's got his head down and his ears back. Well, a number of things flashed through my mind. <laughs> very quickly. I'm thinking, that boy's come to pay me a visit. And I'm, I, I didn't look like I look now. I weighed about 195 pounds. I was in my 30s and had been slinging concrete bags all day long for a couple of years. So I was in pretty good shape. 
And I'm thinking, okay, okay, Duke, bring it, big boy. Let's see what happens. So Duke brought it. <laughs> um, and he was coming fast. So in, in that millisecond, when I had my fist drawn back, another thought came to my mind. You know those National Geographic things you see with the two bighorn sheep just backing up and smashing into each other that you can hear it for miles around? That thought came to my mind too, but I threw the punch anyway. And probably why I have arthritis in this hand today. Duke looked up to me as if to say, seriously, that's your best shot, dude? I mean, it, made no, it had no effect on Duke at all. So, so I got out of the pen, needless to say. So that's leading up to this story. Uh, when I had that first meeting for the kids, and Dick came an hour or so early, and I'm telling him about Duke. He says, well, I'll show you how to deal with that. So he went over to, we had a willow tree in the yard. He cut a switch about four feet long, and I think, oh, man, he's going to beat this animal to death. He got in the pen. Duke did his thing. You know, he backed up, laid his ears back, and he was coming. But Dick advanced on Duke. Duke thinking, well, this is new. This is strange. He, he got Duke between his knee and his hock with about six good shots. And Duke went, oh, I don't like this so much. So he backed up and tried it again. Dick advanced on him, got the other leg. It's remarkable how quickly Duke changed his attitude. Uh, all you had to do is show him the stick. I had built a cover over the feed trough and water trough with just freestanding corrugated metal. From that time on, all you had to do is just rattle that stick on the corrugated metal. And he, he was a good boy. So anyway, this, I'll try to keep this as brief as I can, and it does have a point. But <laughs> uh, about that time, the kids started to arrive. Well, this was my first meeting, and it was basically for the kids that were new to the project. So I had built a little stall, and they could get up there and kind of lean over and watch what was going on. We had like six lambs, and we were docking their tails. Now you might say, well, what is that all about? Well, we had, we had a... Um, a tool, like a pair of pliers, that would expand a very small, very small and thick O-ring. And you would take their tail and draw it through that O-ring and release the tool. Well, that O-ring would be in about the third joint of their tail. Now, why do you do that? As it happens, if the lamb's tails are not docked, a good percentage of their growth of their nutrition will go to the tails. So they end up with fat tails. Now, am I saying that left-door devices, we will grow fat tails? <laughs> no. Well, maybe. <laughs> we would also take that opportunity to um, neuter the male, the ram lambs. Same device. It just cuts off the circulation and the dangly bits fall off. So, anyway, another attribute, another thing that kind of makes us resemble sheep is the lamb that had its tail dock, one of them, just despaired of life, gave up, and died. So you can imagine I've got, I don't know, eight kids, eight, nine, ten years old, and they're looking, looking at this happening, and tears are starting to roll down their face. So I got in the pen and I'm giving this lamb mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, literally, mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. I'm dousing it with cold water. I'm, you know, just 
tapping it, trying to bring it back, and didn't, no. So then I had to have the talk with the kids. Look, kids, if you're going to raise animals, this stuff's going to happen. You're going to lose some. Some are going to be stillborn. Some are just going to get sick and die. As this lamb did, he just gave up and died. So at the end of that, gave the kids, you know, of course their parents are standing behind them. Oh, what have we gotten into, you know? And so we gave the kids ice cream and cake or something. They all went home. So I asked Dick, I said, well, what do you think, buddy? How'd I do? And he says, I thought you did great, man. He says, I don't know what you do for your next meeting. You're going to light one on fire? <laughs> Dick, Dick was always a big help. So I want to look at, talk about a little bit what shepherds do. Um, he sees that the flock is fed and watered. He leads them, as I talked about. He leads them. He doesn't drive them. He protects them. And he even acts as a doctor when called for. I saw that when uh, our favorite time of, time, uh, time, time of year was when the, the ewes were lambing. Typically, it happened late December through February, coldest part of the year, of course. And typically, they happened at night. So we had what we called lamb watch. We'd go out there and you know, one, of the, one of us would go out there and spend time with the ewes when they were uh, getting ready to deliver. And everything goes, you know, the, the ewes, you typically don't have a problem delivering. You can tell when they're going to deliver. They lay on their side. They stick their head up and strain and so forth. And it usually happens pretty quickly. And we were always on hand with a bulb syringe to clear their airway if necessary, kind of wipe their heads down. And then we turn it over to the ewe because she knows, you know, she knows what to do. So I'm watching this one ewe and she's definitely having a problem. And I don't know, you know, we keep watching them. When, it, when a lamb presents, you see two little feet and a nose. That's typical presentation for a sheep which she was showing. And so I'm expecting, well, this, this is normal, but she's, she's laboring, not making any progress at all. So this is when I put my midwife <laughs> dress on <laughs> and I took my shirt off and soaked up and lubed up and I'm gonna get inside, see what's going on. Well, one of the little feet that was presenting wasn't from that lamb. So I had to reach in find out where that foot belonged, ease it back in. I had to push the whole lamb back in the birth canal. Then reach in, grab the proper leg out, and try to sort out the lamb puzzle. Well, once we got that out, she, she delivered one. It was fine. She delivered another. It was fine. So a shepherd can also act as a doctor for his, for his charge, for his sheep. So... Now I'd like to look at sheep. Did, would it surprise you to know that there's almost 500 references in the Bible, both Old and New Testament, calling us sheep? Uh, as somebody who's been around sheep and raised them, it's not a compliment, folks. Sheep can most be the most willful, stupid critters on four feet. Am I right? There you go. <laughs> they will get themselves in trouble in a heartbeat. 
You have to, uh, you have to care for them. They have no defenses. If a predator's after them, instead of, you know, bunching together, staying in a tight-knit group and defending themselves, they just scatter, making themselves easy prey. And it doesn't take much to kill a, a sheep. I mean, coyotes, bobcats. If it's a lamb, and a fairly new lamb, a raptor will do it. A hawk can kill a sheep. Eagles have been known to carry lambs off, small lambs. So they have no defenses at all. Um, so it's not a compliment being called a sheep necessarily. They, they are or can be appealing. I'll give them that. I'd like to look at another scripture if I might. John 10, 27, where Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I saw that demonstrated lots of times. We, uh, the kids could have their friends over. We could have, we could have our friends over. Sheep were out back. They didn't pay any attention. But if I came home, even if the sheep didn't see me, if I was shielded from their view by the barn, but they heard my voice, they were immediately up at the fence. Hey, this is the shepherd. This is the guy that feeds us and gives us water. And um, it's true. I mean, sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And that's how they led them back in the days. They could just talk to him. And walk on the sheep and follow him. Another... Um, Characteristics the sheep have, not an appealing one. If I could, if you got that picture that you could bring up, thank you. This is a picture, <laughs> pardon me, you've probably seen many times. It used to be very popular in Bible, in uh, uh, bookstores, Bible bookstores and so forth. And it's a very accurate depiction. This one, of course, is Jesus holding a lamb. The lamb is content and happy. This makes me think of what we used to call, and it's common in the sheep circles, as a bummer lamb. The, the, typically, the, the shepherd doesn't carry lambs around. He's got too many lambs to contend with. He can't devote his time picking up lambs and carrying them. But another attribute that some sheep share with people is there are occasions when the mother will reject her baby. I mean, have nothing to do with it. She'll give birth to this thing she's been carrying for five months and butt it away, kick it, totally reject it. It's heartbreaking to see, really. So that lamb doesn't get the benefit of that colostrum-rich first milk, that colostrum that gets their digestive uh, system working, that, that uh, gets their immune system working. They don't get any of that. So the shepherd has to pick that lamb up, bottle feed it, and raise it. Of course, that lamb becomes really devoted to the shepherd then. We had, <coughs> we had a butter, bummer lamb named Adam. Well, Adam would just follow me around like a puppy. Did he come in the house? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Did he sleep on the bed? Maybe. <laughs> So in that regard, sheep can be very appealing and, and uh, good critters to have around. 
Uh, we have another verse I'd like to look at too, also from John um, 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And so it is with our good shepherd, Jesus. You know, we sing that song based on the parable that Jesus told about the good shepherd leaving the 99 and going after the one. Thank God for that. Because we've all been that one. And we would be lost without our shepherd. I would highly recommend that you read the entirety of John chapter 10 because it speaks of what the good shepherd does and also speaks to the sheepfold. Now, what is a sheepfold? Well, this is a sheepfold. It's a place where the flock comes together. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the flock. All you sheeple. <laughs> of which I uh, number myself. What do you find in a flock? Well, in, in any flock like this, you're going to find shepherds. Got any parents here? You're shepherds. You're shepherding your kids. You're going to find encouragement. There are encouragers in this body. Um, Dwayne Smith comes to mind. Joe Riley comes to mind. Great encourager. You want your spirits lifted? Jeff and Johnny will do that for you. It's good to be around some of these folks. The thing that strikes me most is when we become Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And there are folks in this body that you can go up and give a hug to, and you think, oh, There he is. There's the Lord. So that's what the sheepfold looks like. And that's where we find ourselves today. Um, I hope I've been able to give you some insights. And the shepherd and the sheep, it, it's a subject that just could go on forever. But I'd like to pray here in a second, and I invite you to think about some lost sheep that might be in your life. Maybe a child, a family member, maybe just a friend that does not know the good shepherd, but needs to. And I would, would you join me in prayer for that this morning? Heavenly Father and Good Shepherd, we thank you so much for your faithfulness that you've led us and guided us and provide for us and protected us. We ask, Lord, that you would bring to mind those sheep that are still out there, our friends, our family. They need to know you, and time is short. Without doubt, we are in the end times. We know it's your desire that they come to you. 
just Lord, as I would spend time with the sheep, if they were if they were um, agitated for some reason, I could go in that barn, just sit down, and the sheep would gather around me, lay down, and calm down. I saw it many times. It's good for the sheep to be in the presence of the shepherd, and it's good for the shepherd to. It lifted my spirits, and I know it lifts your spirits, Lord, when your flock spends time, takes time, and spends time with you. You are so gracious to us, more than we deserve, even when we act like silly sheep, but you love us nonetheless. We thank you and give you praise in the name of the Good Shepherd, Lord and Savior, Jesus. (laughs) 